You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Amen. Thanks, y'all. Well, today is also a World Communion Sunday. People all across the world are going to celebrate uh, the Sacrament of Holy Communion. We'll be doing that in a few minutes as we join with the universal worldwide body of Christ. And today is also kicking off our generosity sermon series, Blessed and Blessing. We're going to spend the month of October reflecting on our blessings and then discerning how God is calling us to commit to give in 2022. This is one of the ways uh, we can discern, help the leadership of RPC discern what are the ministries God is calling us to and how wide and deep can we go. There are three different ways you can make uh, your commitment. You can do it online at roswellpress.org forward slash give. You can also get one of the uh, pledge cards that are out uh, outside these sanctuary doors. Write in your information, drop it in the offering plate, or you can always mail it in. We'll be sending out a mailer to the congregation and you can return it that way. But when you do pledge, it allows us uh, to wisely plan for the ministry Christ calls us to. And we are looking at blessed and blessing. How has God blessed us so that we can bless others? I think this is the heart of the call of the Christian faith. Let us look at Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Listen for the word of the Lord. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask that in the next few moments you might be our teacher, that you might help us reflect and see and acknowledge and celebrate all of the ways you've blessed us but then not to keep those blessings for ourselves, but use them to bless others. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I will bless you so that you can bless others. I think this is the heart. This is the logic of the Christian faith. We are blessed so that we can bless others. I think there are numerous ways that we are blessed. Many of us are blessed with family and friends. We're blessed with employment. We're blessed with the sun to to warm us during the day and the moon to shine down at night. We're blessed with food, like pizza and tacos and ice cream. You can see my major (laughs) food uh, consumption. We're blessed with pets. We're blessed with hobbies like music and sports and model trains and gardening. We're blessed with healthcare and dentistry, central air, Electricity, I could go on and on. We are blessed in numerous, almost countless ways. And with that blessing, we are called to bless others. Blessed to be a blessing. I've always read the text, today's text, in the way that look at how how blessed Abraham and Sarah are. Look how blessed they are. But that's not really the message we have. See, the, the blessing has yet to be realized. The blessing is to happen in the future. The blessing comes only in chapter 12 as a promise. You see, God has called Abram and Sarah out of his father's house, out of his homeland, his hometown, to go to the land God will show him. 
God hasn't blessed him yet. He only promises to bless him in the future. It is not yet a present reality. First, he has to step out in faith. Abraham and Sarah were leaving the land of Ur. Ur, in ancient Near East, was known as the center of civilization. It was a metropolis, a city, a happening place. And they're kind of called to go nowhere. <laughs> go, go east. It's a promised land that they'll be blessed in the future, but it is not a present reality. I can just imagine the conversation they had that morning. Abram comes down for breakfast. He looks at Sarah and says, wow, crazy vision I had last night. She's like, really? He says, yeah. God told me that we're supposed to leave town and head east and keep going to the land of milk and honey. And she says, are you sure it's not those spiced figs you had last night? <laughs> he says, nope, I heard it as clear as the bleeding goats of Gilead. Oh, and also God said he was going to bless us so that we could bless others and all of the families of the world would be blessed through us. Now, Sarah was more of a realist. And she says, honey, Abe. Now, she always said hey, Abe when she was about to criticize him. And she says, you're a 75-year-old man. Have you lost your mind? And then Abraham, he looks down, and then he begins to sing. He says, someday, girl, I don't know when. We're going to get to that place where we really want to go, and we'll walk in the sun, but till then, tramps like us, Sarah, baby, we were born to run. <laughs> She's like, fine, we'll go. <laughs> I can just imagine them, the excitement of hitting the open road, we're going, we're ready to go. And then the first sandstorm hits. Reminds me of that movie, Swingers, everybody was watching in college. One of the opening scenes, Vince Vaughn calls John Favreau and convinces him to go to Vegas. They live in LA, it's about a four hour drive from LA to Vegas. And Favreau's initially hesitant. He says, he says well, well, will we get there by midnight? And Vince Vaughn, always an optimist, says, oh yeah, we're gonna be up $500 by midnight. He says, Vegas, baby, Vegas. And so then it cuts to them driving in the car and they're chanting, Vegas, baby, Vegas. And then it cuts away and comes like two hours later. <laughs> they're both half asleep and Vince Vaughn is like, Vegas, baby, Vegas. And I think that's probably how Abraham and Sarah were. They, they initially had this promise of blessing. Let's go, let's hit the open road. But then the sand begins to blow in their face. They begin to go up steep inclines. They have to search for food and water, find it for not just themselves, but for their camels. Their mouths are parched and dry. And as B.B. King once sang, the thrill is gone. The thrill is gone. What happens when the blessing is a promise and the thrill is gone? How many of you currently feel the thrill of the Christian life? I know God says we're blessed, but there are so many times where we don't feel blessed. The past 18 months feel like this interminable boxing match with no end in sight. Ran into a woman the other day in the church office. She's a mom. I said, don't you feel so exhausted? All the conversation, masks, no masks, kids virtual, not virtual, vaccines, no vaccines. It just goes on and on. And she said, the word fatigue doesn't even begin to describe it. <laughs> and I think we all share a little bit about that. What do we do when the thrill is not there? What do we do when we don't feel blessed? When the blessing is just a promise, it's not a present reality. 
Abraham and Sarah know how we feel. God has made a promise to bless them, but it's not a present reality for them. It only comes, it's a promise, and the promise time and again will be threatened for them. Look at all the threats there are to God's promise. Abraham and Sarah are barren. They don't have any children. They are both advanced in age. They are way beyond their childbearing years. On their journey, Abraham's nephew Lot will almost get them killed in Sodom and Gomorrah. When they get to the land of Gerar, the king tries to take Sarah into his palace for his wife. And then when Abraham is 100 years old, Sarah's 90, she gets pregnant and has Isaac. It's crazy. And then Isaac gets a little older, and then God commands Abraham to go and sacrifice Isaac. Threat upon threat upon threat to God's promise. I think there are three principles we can have for living when the thrill is gone and there's a threat to the promise. First, we must realize that sometimes we only find our blessing after blessing others. Sometimes we only find our blessing after we bless others. This is a principle we see down through the ages across cultures. There's a Chinese proverb that goes, if you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. If you want happiness for a year, inherit a fortune. If you want happiness for a lifetime, help somebody. Francis of Assisi said, it is in giving we receive. I officiated a funeral a number of months ago, and I was meeting with the family and asked them if there was anything particularly that they wanted me to mention in my comments, and the son of the man who died said, would you mind talking about how my dad's life, the impact he made, will ripple down through history long after he's dead? That through his, his children, they were blessed by his life, and they're going to continue to bless others. His grandchildren were blessed by him, and they're going to bless others, his friends and coworkers. They're going to bless others long after he's gone. It's true, most of us will never know how we fully impact other people. If you wait around trying to feel blessed, you're going to miss the opportunity to bless others. I mean, when you give to the ministry of RPC, you have no, no idea how your impact will ripple through this community and through the world. You'll never know all the ways you've blessed people. Rich or poor, young or old, in Guatemala or America, down the street or around the world. Oftentimes you only feel blessing after you've blessed others. Number two, you have to trust in the principle of exponential growth. <laughs> with the pandemic, we've come face to face with the reality of negative exponential growth. It doesn't take much for a contagion to spread. But just like that can happen in negative things, it can also happen with the positive. In one of Jesus' famous parables, he likens the kingdom of God to a mustard seed. And he says, oh, though it's the smallest of seeds, it grows into a large bush and the, the birds come and live in its branches. Do you know a little seed? It's an annual, comes back every year. The bush, this vine, will grow to eight to nine feet tall. Jesus is saying... Big things come in small packages. It only takes a little to leaven the whole loaf. In one memorable scene, Jesus analyzes people who are bringing their tithes and offerings to the temple. And a lot of these folks are using it to show off. They've got these big bags of money and they drop it in, kind of say, did you see that? No sweat. And then there's this widow. She only has a few coins, just a pittance, and she drops it in. 
She does it with humility and modesty. And Jesus says, that woman, that widow, gave more than the rest of them. God can use a little to do a lot. When the promise of blessing is under threat, look at the little ways you've been blessed. It's no matter how small, God can do a lot with a little. It's always Mother Teresa who said, we can rarely do great things, but we can do small things with great love. Let's remember the principle of exponential growth. And then the third is, always return back to first principles. A couple of years ago, I read a book by the American theologian Robert Jensen called Story and Promise. And in it, he's making an argument about how our stories intersect with God's story in Jesus as a promise. I've never encountered this argument that he makes in the book before, and it's elegant, but it's simple, brilliant. He says, we all make promises of one kind or another. At work, you make promises. When I get back to my desk, I'll send that email. You make promises to your kids. After school, I'll pick you up. In marriage, we made promises when you gave your vows. I will be your spouse for richer or poorer through sickness and in health. We all make promises. But eventually, people will let us down. Eventually, we'll let others down. We won't keep all of our promises. We'll fail to keep our promises. All of us. Why? Because we all will eventually die. And we cannot keep our promises after we die. This is why in the marital vows, when you say, I will be your husband for richer or poorer through sickness and in health, as long as we both shall live. Because we acknowledge you can't keep your vows, your promises after you die. Now, who is the only person that has defeated death? Jesus Christ. As the Apostle Creed says, who was crucified, dead, and buried, and rose, raised from the dead on the third day. Jesus is the only one who can truly keep his promises because he defeated death in resurrection. He's the true promise keeper. And so we need hope and faith on him to keep going when the promise of blessing is threatened. I think this is the heart of the Christian message, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because he is raised from the dead, he can keep his promises. One of the greatest examples of this point that I've come across came in a, a sermon that was preached by Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Barcelona in 1928. He was 22 years old. Bonhoeffer's text is Matthew 28:20, 20, which records Jesus' promise to be with the disciples even after he ascends. And Bonhoeffer's sermon addresses the contrast between the message of Jesus and the general state of Europe. He's speaking primarily to the after effects of the First World War, but he doesn't know that this message will sustain him when Hitler and the Nazis come to power and he'll eventually join the resistance and pay the ultimate price for his resistance against Hitler and the Nazis. But at the age of 22, he's in Barcelona and he preaches this message in 1928. Listen to this. The question, how can we believe in Jesus' promise, is the implicit subject of this excerpt, and while it is almost a century old, many of the same themes emerge in our world today, where despair, loneliness, and depression afflict larger and larger numbers of our population. Does that sound familiar? Remember, I am with you. This is the Easter message, not the distant but the nearby God. That is Easter. A searching, an anxious groping, and questioning for divine things permeates our own age. 
A great loneliness has come upon our age, the kind of loneliness found only in a God-forsaken age. The enormous distress of isolation and homelessness has come upon the colossal, wild activity of countless masses of people in the midst of our big cities. Yet the yearning grows for the time when once again God might abide among human beings when God might be found. A thirst for contact with divine things has come upon people, a burning thirst demanding to be quenched. Currently, he says, a great many remedies are being offered for sale that promise to quench this thirst in a radical fashion and for which hundreds of thousands of hands greedily reach out. In the midst of this wild activity and marketing frenzy, with, the, with new means and ways, we find the one word of Jesus Christ. Remember, I am here. You don't need to search very far at all in order to question or engage in all sorts of mysterious activity, he says. I am here. That is, Jesus does not promise his coming, does not prescribe paths that might take a person to him, but simply says, I am here. Whether we see Jesus or not, feel him or not, want him or not, none of this makes any difference over against the fact that Jesus is here with us, that he is simply wherever we are, and that we can do absolutely nothing. Jesus says, I am with you always. Christ's presence is with us even now. That is the great promise of the resurrection. This is our great blessing. Even when the thrill is gone, when we don't feel it, Christ promises to be with us. And so when the thrill is gone, when the promise is under threat, remember sometimes we have to bless others and then we only feel blessing after that. Remember the principle of exponential growth. God can do a lot with a little. And remember first principles, that Jesus Christ, life, death, and ultimately resurrection stand at the heart of the Christian message. You are blessed to be a blessing. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the blessing we have received in Jesus Christ. We f- pray that we might feel your presence, that we might use that blessing to bless others. I pray that we as individuals and we as a community of faith gathered around that good news might serve others and bless others as you have served and blessed us. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.